CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective and what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? If you've got a question you'd like to ask us, we want to certainly encourage you to give us a call. And today, especially if you have uh, young people, uh, teenagers or whatever, we have a special guest with us today, Brooks Gibbs. from, um, from uh, He's a pastor, teacher, and Christian psychologist. Served under Mike McIntosh, which we've had on the program here several times in the last uh, couple of months. And um, I'm really glad to have you with us, Brooks. Hi, and welcome. Thank you, Pastor Kessler. Uh, You're live here from Clearwater, Florida. You know, I've listened to Every Man and Answer for a couple decades now, I guess. And I'm just so blessed that you continue to uh, keep the legacy alive of giving a reason for the hope that lies within you. Well, God is good, and and He gets the glory. And uh, you've you've spoken a lot different places. Your sermons are translated into twenty languages, and you've had over three hundred million views. That's pretty impressive. I'm I'm glad you took time and were with us today. Oh man, the honor's all mine. You know, I have a math nerd friend who added up the minutes all my social media videos have been watched and. He came up with like 2,700 years of watch time. <laughs> and I'm just amazed, you know, and really I think what uh, my contribution uh, has been, God has graced me with uh, really bringing back the old school golden rule and teaching people how to deal with difficult people, forgiving their enemies and being emotionally resilient. You know, Solomon says it's a man's glory to overlook an offense. And so I really teach how to do that from uh, a, a way that's biblically based, psychologically sound, culturally relevant, and people seem to enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, you've you've been on this program before with your programs and uh, with our other network, and so I'm I'm really glad that you're you're with us today, and um, uh, also partially a youth pastor as well. It sounds like. Well, you, when you plant the church, you kind of play all roles. And yes, you I do. Got teenagers as kids, so I do. Uh, tonight, right after this, I'll be teaching the Bible to a bunch of pimply-faced, snotty-nosed teenagers, and I'm excited about it. I, I I love it. We all we all did that once. We just did. But uh, so glad you're with us, Brooks. Look forward to answering some questions with you. Eighty eight. 88 Ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. With that, we will go ahead and go to the phones. We have Jason. Jonesboro, Georgia, on the line. Hi, welcome. Hi, how you doing? Uh, great. How may we help? Yeah, I guess I got a two-part question. I got an NIV study Bible, right? Yes. And it's, it's referencing uh, Enoch in it a bunch, and I was just wondering why. I know what Enoch's not in the in the Holy Bible, and I just want to know why it's not. And I also heard that Esther almost didn't make it in the Bible because. They, the, the books had to meet certain criteria. This was some, some someone told me this that went to seminary, and that one just didn't make 
had the criteria to make it make it in. So I'm just I was curious. Well, good. Uh, that that is good. And uh, Enoch, uh, the book of Enoch is is um, uh, not uh, old like Enoch is. Enoch was pre pre flood. Uh, the book of Enoch was written somewhere around 800 BC. So you've got you've got a, a lot of a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff in the book of Enoch that's kind of weird. Um, there's a quotation from Enoch in the book of Jude. Uh, that the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. But this in no way gives credibility to the book of Enoch. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why it's not canonized. The book of Enoch was around when they uh, canonized the Bible, when they put what they felt was true, authentic scripture without error. But uh, they they rejected the book of Enoch for several reasons. Uh, Your thoughts? Well, I think that uh, that's, I think there's some weird teachings, if I remember. It's been so long. It's been Mm -hmm. like 15 years since I've uh, studied this, but I believe there was quotes of giants being like, like uh, astronomically too large. And, And when I was asking my Bible professor way, probably 18 years ago, I was saying, why, you know, how are the Bible uh, books actually chosen? And uh, really, his answer was amazing. He was saying they're not exactly chosen, but they're acknowledged. There's a criteria to recognize uh, with consensus inspiration of the Holy Spirit that um, doesn't contradict other scriptures, doesn't have timeline errors. Like I think Enoch was talking to Methuselah, but way after Enoch was actually born, I mean, uh, sorry, after he had already died. And so there was timeline issues with that book. It's been many, many years, but... Um, but I appreciate the inspiration kind of a criteria to be able to say, is this accurate? And can we all agree that this is uh, something that uh, we believe is inspired by the Holy Spirit? We acknowledge it. We don't choose it. We acknowledge it and recognize, yes, this is uh, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and and uh, I, I hope that hope that answers it for you. Now, concerning uh, the book of Esther, <clears throat> One of the criteria is where there couldn't be any mistakes in it. And the book of Esther is a very interesting um, book in that it shows the hand of God working in a world that doesn't know him, working in individuals that love him. And I believe the book of Enoch is very, very um, um, faith-encouraging. The book of Enoch, on the other hand, has has some weird ideas in it, and and this is why it was rejected. Uh, so I hope that answers it for you. Uh, yes, sir, it does. I appreciate your time. Thank you. God bless you. Stay online if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. We send people that call in. Really good. God of Wonders, Evolution versus God, a little book called Time to Grow, and, of course, 101 Last Day's Prophecy. Stay online, Jason. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Richard, Bend, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike. Hi, Brooks. Uh, my question today is uh, Ezekiel 38, uh, the war, Meshach, uh, Gog, Magog. You're well familiar with it, you guys. Um, and timeline, it seems to be hard to place, and Ezekiel isn't giving us any hints, um, except for that uh, they come down from the north to take a spoil, and they even go all the way to the isles. Uh, they're living careless, the 
And um, so looking on Google Earth, coming down from Russia, you can actually walk all the way down to uh, Jerusalem, to Israel, and all the way down to the far end of the tip of uh, uh, um, Tarshish. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I am just looking at that. I'm looking at uh, what uh, Putin is uh, enforcing and the direction, and I'm very um, anxious to go home to the Lord. And, and uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm curious if you, what do you think, you guys, as far as any kind of a timeline between now and the rapture when Ezekiel's war? Is going well, to take place, and Mike, I'm going to hang up and listen on the radio. Okay, Thank Richard. You. Well, I'm so glad you called, and uh, if you like, call back later when you have more time, and we'll get your address and get those uh, materials out to you that we give people that call in. The first thing we find in the Ezekiel 38-39 war: first, it's never happened. Second of all, we know that it says they come down to the land of the unwalled villages. Now. We know up to just a couple hundred years ago, the strength of a city was in its city walls. But now with modern warfare, uh, walls are as much as of an entrapment as they are a defense. And so um, the land of the Enwall villages very clearly say it's going to be in the latter times, and we know that. Another thing that we, that we look at there is it says they'll be burning the weapons for seven years. I believe that this Ezekiel 38-39 war comes before the tribulation. Why? Because the tribulation is seven years long. I don't see Israel burning weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. In other words, if they're burning weapons for seven years, the tribulation is seven years long. That means that, uh, you know, there's going to be smoke pouring out of Jerusalem for whatever reason uh, as they continue burning the weapons. I don't believe that. I do believe that very possibly the barrels of oil, the butt stocks off AK-47s, who knows what all they're going to be burning, as the Bible says, but they're going to be burning it for a period of seven years. Now, when you stop to think of the barrels of oil needed for tanks, when you stop to think about all the other armaments that require fuel oil, very possibly this is going to be a source, a partial source, of energy for Israel during the millennium. Now, or excuse me, during the tribulation period leading up to the millennium. Now, during the millennium, the Bible says Jesus makes on this earth all things new. You have to remember at the end of the tribulation period, the sea is, is uh, every living thing in the sea has died. The sea has turned to blood. All the, all the rivers unfit to drink. All the trees are burnt up. Uh, famine is everywhere. Two-thirds of the world's population is dead. I just read an article where they say that November 15th, the world's population will officially reach 8 billion people based upon the current rate of death and births and everything. They calculated that that's when it will reach 8 billion people is November 15th. Well, two-thirds of that, um, you, you realize that we're talking billions and billions. Now, the uh, COVID uh, virus, uh, it killed hundreds of millions of people globally. But this pales in comparison 
to what's going to happen. Now, when you have Putin saber-rattling, as he's doing, when you find that there's no clear outline of the United States in biblical prophecy, you have to realize there's probably some reasons why. Now, why isn't the United States clearly in the Bible being it's a superpower in the world right now? Maybe it just doesn't exist anymore. Maybe a surprise attack by China, Russia, uh, Musk, uh, Elon Musk warned America saying, don't get into a nuclear war with Russia. They'll take us out. Now, somebody saying, oh, well, he's just being a spokesman for Putin. No, Musk is a pretty smart cookie. And I believe that he realizes and knows because he's into space, he's into rockets, all these things. He knows what the arsenal of Russia is and our capability of shooting down incoming missiles. So when you stop to think about some of these advanced weapons that Russia has, like the Satan II missile, that's exactly what Putin called it, where the nose cone comes off as it nears its destination, and then out of that nose cone comes 50 other nuclear-tipped rockets predetermined on the cities that they have been programmed for, you realize that the chances of shooting those down are going to be very, very hard. He said, don't get in a fight. That, that's not a good proposition. Also, not knowing what will happen with the San Andreas Fault, not knowing what will happen with the supervolcano we call Yellowstone, when the last time it blew up, heavy ash went out as far as Kentucky. They can tell by the crystalline uh, formation in the rocks, in, in the powder, in the dust, where it came from. They said the heavy ash went out as far as Kentucky. When you stop to think that Mount St. Helen, when it blew up in, in the early 80s, the heavy ash only went 20 miles. The heavy ash from a supervolcano went 1,500 miles or more. The light plume cloud would then in turn probably go clear to New York, cause a probably a lot of the upper atmosphere problems where Revelation, it says, that they had hailstones um, bigger than bowling balls. So you got to realize there's going to be major tectonic plate movement, as it says in Revelation chapter 6. You, you've got saber-rattling by Putin. You've got uh, way overdue natural catastrophes like San Andreas. They they said that that's way, way overdue. And they're not expecting a 7.0. They're expecting like a 12.9 or something. I mean, where it's going to knock down everything. Now, people say, oh, well, I can't. Well, remember the 1906 San Francisco earthquake devastated uh, uh, that area. Uh, we don't really know. But the United States is not mentioned. So going back to your question then, what happens? When is this Ezekiel 38, 39 war? I don't know. But I know this. We have a global recession coming on. Uh, it doesn't matter what Biden says. Uh, I read papers today saying it's 100% guarantee. The Inflation Reduction Act, of course, was a joke. All it did was increase the IRS. So we know that isn't going to do anything. When you realize that we're going into a global recession, what do communist countries always run out of? Everybody else's money. So I believe China's got their eye on Taiwan. I believe Russia will really probably focus on the rich resources that Israel is there in the Middle East to pick up, uh, I really believe, um, 
some some real allies that that Russia needs right now because they're disdained by the world because of their behavior in the Ukraine. So we really don't know, but I believe this Ezekiel 38-39 war could be before the rapture. It could be after the rapture, but remember this. The, the rapture does not start the tribulation immediately. It could be a, a little bit of a, of a lag in there. It could be six months, three months, three years. We don't know. All we know is Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. Brooks, your thoughts? Well, I, I think it's soon. You know, I, if you remember last year, the Biden administration, uh, I believe, left $7 billion worth of weapons in Afghanistan. And it's such a- $80 billion. $80 billion. Oh, was it $80 billion? God. Yeah, it, 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 I believe that what he did will eventually down in history, if the world lasts, that will go down as one of the greatest military blunders in the history of the world, along with the Trojan horse, uh, some of these others, Waterloo. I believe this this blunder of Biden for no reason to abandon American citizens in Afghanistan to be out in a month was just the deliberate way of giving the Taliban $80 billion worth of free America's greatest technology, brand new Apache helicopters. They didn't even blow them up. They just left them there so they could be sold to Red China, of course, be reverse engineered. And now all of our work and research to build those Apache helicopters, they got for free. Yeah, Joe Biden did a real military blunder or was it on purpose? You know, either way, I think Ezekiel 39 could mentioned the weapons that are being burned. I mean, that's the only way I could calm myself down when I heard this. Yeah. That, you know what? Maybe we're just supplying them the fire fodder that Ezekiel 39 speaks about. For that, yes. Very possible. So any other thoughts on it? No, I just, uh, you know, we have to keep our hearts uh, hooked on heaven. And what, what I love is that God has a master plan. And, uh, and nothing will stop it. And it is exciting times. There's no doubt about it. I, uh, I just keep on saying, you know, well, prepare me, Lord Jesus, prepare me, show me, you know, what does the psalmist say? He says, search me, try me, show me if there's any wicked way in me and, and lead me in the way of everlasting. So, uh, I don't just get so excited about seeing the Lord like our caller did. I certainly do. There's no doubt about it, but I want to ready the bride. You know, I want to ready my heart, purify my heart, Lord, so I am, I am I am clean and pure and ready when you return. Amen. And uh, you know, uh, again, when we look at uh, what's going on, especially now, there's a report that Iran has joined forces with Russia in bombing the Ukraine. Now, this uh, really interesting lines up this this Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war where Russia combined with Persia, which is Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan. That's the old Persian Empire. Unite with Russia, as well as Ethiopia, Libya, the Balkan states around the Balkan Sea, Turkey. They come down against Israel in the last days to take a spoil. No one comes to Israel's defense. Now, there are the young lions of Tarshish that say, what are you doing? This is not good. But they offer no support. The Bible says God's fury arises in his face. 
and he destroys five-sixths of this Russian Arab coalition that comes against Israel. And the Bible says the whole world recognizes that it was a miracle and God was hollowed in their eyes. Yet they still do not serve him, of course, but they recognize this. So I do believe that they'll be burning the weapons most likely into the tribulation period. I don't believe it will go beyond the tribulation period. So I look for maybe this Ezekiel 38, 39 war. I believe it can happen at any time. Of course, the rapture can happen at any time. And I think this is why Jesus said, watch and be ready. And something else Jesus said, really important, redeeming the time, the days are evil. Now, we have to think about that for a minute. You're, me, we're not always going to be here. We're going to be in heaven. Redeem the time. Let your light shine. Share the gospel with people. Tell them to repent. Tell them Jesus loves them. Because, see, that's what's so important. We're not always going to be here. Certainly, they may not be here either. They could die of a heart attack or a car wreck or something else. So redeem the time. The days are evil. We see the evil that's going on. In fact, I, I was reading today, Russia's just randomly bombing Kiev now. They're, they're, they're just blowing up everything. They just annexed it. We want it. We're taking it. Kind of what China wants to do with Taiwan. We want it. We're taking it. You know, so you, you look at all this crazy stuff going on in the world. But Margaret Thatcher, again, years ago, said this. Communism works until you run out of everybody else's money. I think our own politicians now, like Bernie Sanders and some of these other hardcore left people are um, are, are, are understanding. Um, they make no bones about it. Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, they elected him into office. I don't know what's wrong with the state that voted for him. Uh, the only thing I can say, he spent his honeymoon in Russia. Why would you do that? So uh, I, I look at this and I, I just, I'm just taken back a little bit about people's political stand where communism is so diametrically opposed to our form of government. How could you put your hand on a Bible and say you're going to uphold the laws of the United States when you're really a communist socialist? There's really not any difference. So things that make you go, hmm. Hope that helps. Hope that answers it for you. Let's go to Thelma, Dallas, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi there. Um, my question is, it's all about what you were just saying. I had called yesterday but couldn't get on. Um, Amir Safari said that Iran bombed um, the Ukraine. However, they also said that Russia warned and Iran warned Israel. Is that part of um, Ezekiel 38-39? Also, how close to midnight do you think we are in, you know how they have that clock every year? Yeah. That ticks closer to midnight. I was just wondering what your thoughts were on how close to midnight we are. I think midnight could be closer than our midnight right now. It just takes Putin to... To say, hey, it's all American weapons that we're fighting in Ukraine. Uh, you're the reason, uh, America, that we're getting beat up so bad in the Ukraine. And he pushed a button. You know, you know, it's really weird. I don't know if you knew this, Brooks, but I, I was looking. We, we just went to Yellowstone a couple of weeks ago and beautiful place. But uh, when you look at the geological issues that had happened there once upon a time, do you know who studies 
Yellowstone, they say gets more hits. They said that Russia studies Lake Yellowstone. In other words, to plunge a a bunker-busting bomb into Lake Yellowstone, rupture the pimple of that great magma dome underneath Lake Yellowstone, set it off, would take out all of America. Now, friends, that's real. I, I, I read the stories on how Russia studies Yellowstone. And in particular, under the the um, Great Caldera, uh, which is filled with water, but underneath that water is this uh, rising of the magma, pushing up the rocks. We were there, and there are road barricades set up on some of the roads because the roads are so hot that you can't drive across them. You have to go around them. They have hiking trails that are closed because it'll melt your shoes. Uh, there's things that are changing and it's not uncommon for, uh, they have, have swarms of earthquakes, like 300 earthquakes where the earth is moving around. It just takes one of those cracks to erupt the, the crust lets go. And, uh, they said that anything within probably 300 miles of Yellowstone is in completely the kill zone which of course we are, but I mean, there's not going to be anything left. And the rest of the world probably will wish they were within the 300 uh, miles because of what's going to be left over. But you, you're you going to have, again, what causes hailstones the size of, of bowling balls that you find uh, in Revelation. That means there has been tremendous upheaval on earth and in the upper atmosphere to cause this. And then Revelation 6 says every mountain and island moves out of its place. So if they did this, you have a super volcano that then sets off uh, the Cascadia Fault, San Andreas Fault, and the Ring of Fire, you would have a, a scenario very similar to what Revelation chapter 6 describes. Your thoughts? Mm. Well, I think we're a good team tonight because uh, as you talk about the world literally falling apart, you know, I, I think, well, what's a good seatbelt for my emotions? And that's good theology. Um, good theology is a seatbelt for my emotions. And what comes to mind as we see our nation falling apart, we're losing the freedoms that we have. It's We're not even showing up in the end times, it seems, as a country. I think of Baruch, that scribe for Jeremiah in Jeremiah 45. He was struggling with depression and anxiety, and he was you know, saying, woe is me. You've added grief to my sorrows, Lord. I sigh in my, or I faint in my sign and I find no rest. And God looked at him with a remedy as he was having anxiety attacks about losing his nation. And he says, you know, uh, what I build, I can break down. What I plant, I can pluck up, including this whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself, Baruch? Seek them not, for I will give you your life wherever you go as a prize. In other words, love the life you have, not the one you wish you had or the life you used to have. Love the life life. God is. And we are coming up on a break. We'll have more right after this. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare as a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. 
MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. CSN is listener supported. If you'd like to partner with CSN by helping us cover our cost of operation to broadcast God's word nationally and across the world, please consider making a donation. All donations are tax deductible and CSN offers a variety of ways to donate. You can donate on the phone by calling us at 800-357-4226. Send us a letter to CSN Radio, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. Or donate through our website at csnradio.com. And now, CSN is offering a new method to help support. A simple automatic monthly subscription. Pick an amount as low as $10 and subscribe. Every month, your donation will automatically happen. You don't have to do anything else, and subscriptions can be canceled at any time. Log online to csnradio.com, click the Donate button on the homepage, pick an amount, and then click Subscribe. Together, we can continue to spread the gospel. CSN, the Christian Satellite Network. And we want to welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with Brooke Gibbs. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, when we went to the break, Brooks was talking again uh, concerning this, this thing that I think concerns so many people. And when we see the world in such upheaval, where do you go to find peace? Brooks, you were saying. Well, uh, thanks so much. You know, I think it's important to remind all of our fellow believers that, uh, that Baruch had a very similar anxiety, uh, the scribe for Jeremiah. He was watching his nation fall apart and not repent, and he knew destruction was imminent. And so uh, God essentially gave him the remedy. Stop seeking great things for yourself, you know, and uh, I'm going to give you your life as a prize wherever you go. Uh, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. We have the Lord. We have the Lord. And we shouldn't put all of our hope, all of our high expectations in this world, in things. And so, um, you know, take it, you know, let, let it fall apart. Let it blow up. Let it crack. Uh, I have my life and I have the author of life, the Lord Jesus. And if you're hanging on to this world, like Baruch was, you're going to have anxiety. You're going to hate the news. You're going to be full of consternation, but you can rest and digest. That's what Jesus calls us to total trust and faith. And uh, I think it's just a good reminder. Amen. To be about our daddy's business. I hope that answers it for you. With that, uh, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Manny on the line. Yuma, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Oh, hi there. Um, what I want to um, ask you, I guess your opinion is about the, the Holy Trinity. Yes. And um, how can other churches be preaching that there's only one God? And like the apostolic, um, but if it's in the Bible, if they're going by the Bible, how can they be 
preaching about that that's not in the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and and I believe it's because they don't read the entirety of God's Word. You can make the Bible, somebody tell, told me one time, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. That is absolutely true, everyone, if you take it out of context. But if you read the context of as an example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. The word God there is the word Elohim. It speaks of the plurality of God. Yes, it does. That's what Elohim means. And so because of that, the rest of the Bible tells us who this Elohim is. Let us make man in our image. He wasn't speaking to the angels. There's no place in the Bible angels are a procreative force. So we are a triune being. The God we serve is a triune being. I don't completely understand it. I don't know how you can have uh, God. I, I don't know, understand how Jesus can be 100% man and 100% God, but he was. And when we look at the whole entire picture, Jesus praying to his father in the garden, Father, if there's any other way man can be saved, let this cup pass from me. Was he just talking to himself to impress the disciples? No, he was praying to his father. When we find in 1 John 2.22, he that denies the father and the son hath the spirit of Antichrist. That's a pretty stinging remark from the beloved disciple to someone that tries to deny that there's a heavenly father and, and, and Jesus as well. So when we look at this, we have to understand that if you hopscotch through the Bible, and this is the danger of this, that's why I can't express enough line upon line, precept upon precept, or maybe I should say precept upon precept, line upon line. Somebody corrected me on that, and they're very right. Precept upon precept, line upon line. That's how we're to learn God's Word. Not just getting my favorite topics on a Sunday morning or, or um, you know, what pleases the crowd, what tickles those itchy ears. But no, when we hear the entirety of God's Word, again, going through a book in the New Testament as an example on a Sunday morning, you're going to touch on a lot of topics, a lot of subjects, subjects that we're all going to be faced with throughout the week, throughout our life. And if all we know is just tithing and love one another, well, you know, the problem is we're going to have a very imbalanced life and not know what to do when we're confronted by bad doctrine. That's why today, well, I'm cool, you're cool. If you believe Jesus is God, well, that's cool. I believe that uh, I'm God, so let's all just groove together. No, if you know God's word, line upon line, you're going to know what God's word says. That's why Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If we don't know God's word, you're not going to know how to live. Therefore, anything's acceptable. I'm cool. You're cool. Let's all just groove together. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Well, it doesn't work that way. And when we go back to what the Bible says, this is the reason why. So what does the Bible talk about? Does it ever say there's just Jesus only? No. It doesn't. We find Jesus when he was baptized. Voice from heaven. This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Form of the Holy Spirit and a form of a dove came and rested upon him. This idea that there is no heavenly father, there is no Holy Spirit, is some foreign gospel that I've never heard of before. 
Well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. That just shows somebody's total ignorance of God's word. Because if you read God's word, as an example, when Jesus was baptized, you would see the three, the three personages of the Godhead right there. So this is where I think a lot of the problems come from, Manny. And not all apostolic churches embrace that, but some do. One of the, the giveaways is when they ask, how are you baptized? Because when they say, well, I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, well, you were baptized wrong, brother. What's the name of the Father? What's the name of the Holy Spirit? The name of the Father is the Father. The name of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But see, they don't understand in the name of means by the authority. If it's by God's authority, we baptize anybody. And to become a a, a proselyte or to become a Christian you renounce your pagan faith. This is how you became a Hebrew in the Old Testament. You would renounce your pagan faith. You would embrace Yahweh as your God, and you would take a ceremonial washing. This is what made John the Baptist's ministry so unusual, is he went to the Jewish nation saying, you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. That was radical. Because they thought they inherited their Christianity or their religiosity from Abraham, I'm the tribe of this, I'm the tribe of Judah, I'm the tribe of this. That's where they got it. And so that's why they always made references to Jesus, uh, well, our, uh, Moses taught us, or our father Abraham. It isn't what God has shown me personally. They really didn't have a personal relationship with God. Your thoughts, Brooks? Well, you know, Scripture does say great is a mystery of godliness. And I think you're right. It's something we don't understand. Spurgeon said, if we try to explain the, explain the Trinity, we'll explain our mind away. We'll go insane. But it doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that it surpasses us. And I think there's a psycholo- psychological explanation of why we can read the same scriptures and come to obvious conclusions that Jesus is God when he says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, like in the book in Revelation, when people worship him and he doesn't send them away. There's and When the word became flesh, but the word was with God and was God, we have all these scriptures, but then the other people – who are oneness bent, uh, I think what happens is they have a disdain for the Catholic Church. In my experience, 22 years as a pastor, they have, they've been so scarred by, uh, old ancient Catholicism theology that they throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say in Texas. They just absolutely discard the Trinity because they believe it's a concept of mankind. Instead of saying, God, reveal yourself to me. I want to have friendship with you. And that includes the Father, the Son, the Spirit. They're missing out on a dynamic threefold relationship with the Godhead that can all be found in Christ. But Christ wanted us to be in fellowship with our Father and be led by the Spirit. So they're just missing out. Pray for them. I think they're wounded. Amen. Amen. So, Manny, I hope that helps. Yeah. So if I'm looking for a church, um, I have to look for a Pentecostal church. And and the ones that be, and the ones that believe in the Holy Trinity, I would, uh, because because again, uh, I think that's you you want to find somebody that teaches God's word. That's what you're what you're looking for. Um, I, Manny, I'll send you a little book called Time to Grow, and in that book, I cover some of the basic topics of what a new Christian or a mature Christian needs to have in their life. You might give it to a pastor that you're visiting and say, hey, look through this. It'll only take you five minutes. Do you agree with it or disagree with it? 
Um, and they'll pretty much, that'll pretty much show you what, what, uh, where they're at. I talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I talk about, about the importance of fellowship, God's word, all these things, uh, being born again. Uh, today, so many churches don't even teach being born again anymore. So you, you, there, there's a lot of things there that'll probably, somebody, somebody asked me one time about uh, giving that out. And I said, well, you might say not only is it for new believers, but really it's our church's statement of faith because it covers everything that really is the bare essentials that you need in your Christian experience. It's called uh, Time to Grow. Send that to you with a couple of movies as well. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Manny, God bless you. And I'll be praying for you that God finds you a, a really good church. There, there's some good ones there. And you must stay online and uh, get it. We'll get your address and see if we can't uh, help you out with uh, looking around some churches you might try. Okay. God bless you. Let's go to Tina, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Yes. Hi. Um, my question is in the beginning in Genesis, in the beginning of the Garden of Eden, was, did did Lucifer fall from heaven and become Satan before or after that time? Well, we don't know for sure, but what we can tell from God's word is that I believe it was after Adam and Eve were in the garden. And this may be a lot of why. When God said he was going to make humans a little lower than the angels, I don't believe that bothered Lucifer or any of the other angels at all. But then the Bible says those that chose to love him without ever seeing God's majesty, his throne, his creation, heaven, chose to love him out of choice, not because they had to, because they had no other, they'd never known anything else like the angels did. He would elevate above the angels. First Corinthians 6 says, do you not know someday you'll judge angels? But called them his bride. Now something happened, and if you go to Isaiah 14, pride entered into Lucifer's heart. I will ascend, I will be as the most high. Ay, 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 ay. You just look at all the eye problems there, and you can see the guy was filled with himself. Well, when you look at this, Going back to Genesis, God would create something inside, and God saw that it was good. He saw that it was very good. All these good things that God had done, all good. I don't see Satan walking this earth with the remark, it was all good. It was okay have the devil, you know, roaming around in some kind of a form that in, in intoxicated Eve in some way. I mean, you know, she wasn't talking to a snake hanging out of a tree like sometimes you see these pictures. Um, that's what he has. He was cursed to that form on the ground that he would slither away. Uh, but it very much possible that this creature that Eve talked to was very intelligent maybe covered with lights. We don't know. Some people say the word is actually the word that can be used for dragon. Like you see a Chinese New Year where these things float down the street and they're covered with lights and very intelligent, carried on a conversation with her. I believe it happened after Adam and Eve were in the garden, because here's why. What would cause a third of the angels to fall with Lucifer? Hey, 
you're not going to be number one anymore. You're being all replaced by another creation called human beings. I believe this is why the devil and his demons, those fallen angels, some are so fierce that they're held in chains at the bottom of the Euphrates River, but others are just disembodied spirits roaming this earth looking for somebody they can move into. I believe they are so full of hate towards human beings that this is why you see the devious behavior of those possessed, uh, the lie that Satan uses, all these things. But a third of the stars fell with Lucifer. In that third of the stars, I believe there was high-ranking angels. There were probably, uh, there's all kinds. Uh, the Bible talks about protective angels and warrior angels and and um, messenger angels. Oh, there's all kinds. So w- when we look at this, Whatever it was, it was pretty significant. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Your thoughts, Brooks? Yeah, I, I love that. Luke 10, 18, uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I just don't even understand how he had memory. Like in John 17, where Jesus said, oh, that they may know the glory that I once had with you. I mean, it's amazing how Jesus somehow had knowledge of his preexistence, which is another evidence, by the way, of his deity. The previous caller, but there is another theory called the gap theory. I believe that Satan fell between verse one and verse two, and that's how darkness uh, uh, fell over the face of the deep, or there was um, without form and void. Um, you know, it's hard to say; it's a mystery. But I, I, you've really convinced me, Mike. I actually have never heard your point of view, and I think that makes some sense. So, thank you for sharing that. Well, I don't know what it means that, and God saw it, it was very good. Um, uh, how would you have a very good thing? Some you say, well, how could a good God put an evil tree in the Garden of Eden? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things animals can eat that I can't. I've seen some of the things that dogs eat. Uh, it scares you to death. Dead birds have been laying out in the backyard for, you know, three or four days, and they'll sit there and chomp them down, as well as cats. There's a lot of things that we can't eat uh, that animals do. And just because God put a tree in the Garden of Eden and told man, do not eat of it, doesn't mean it was a bad tree. It might have been fine for animals. In fact, it's interesting. That's where the uh, where, where uh, Satan, in the form of this creature, whatever he was, serpent, talked to Eve out of. So uh, I do believe it was a test, of course, of, of obedience. But we realized that that the devil was out to trip man up. Why was the devil wanting to trip man up? Well, because I think he hated man. I think him and the, the fallen angels. And whenever you see a demon-possessed person, they're not the better off for it. They have suicide tendencies. They cut themselves with rocks uh, or whatever else they can find. They have a fascination with the dead as the... The men, in, uh, the men in Gadara did. There was actually two. One ran off. We don't know what happened to him. But the other one came to Jesus, and he was full of demons. He's, they said, don't cast us into the abyss before our time. So when, when you really start looking at this, uh, I don't believe the garden was a bad place at all. I think the earth was good. In fact, the Bible says that death entered the world through Eve. So up to that time, there was no death. The idea of a whole generation of chocolateites 
whatever they were, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, you don't find in the Bible. It ain't there. There's no record of it. Death entered the world. Sin entered the world through Eve and Adam's sin. That's what the Bible says. Now, somebody wants to argue with that, take it up with God. That's your problem, not mine. But I really believe that's where, where it came from. And I believe that right after Satan fell, he started his work to destroy humans. And let me tell you something, friends. As I look at uh, human history, he's had a tremendous success. You look at the wars. You look at all the stuff. You look at the combination of what the tribulation is going to be about. Man's hardness of heart against God. Yes, not only do we have an old sin nature, which people will still have during the millennial reign of Christ, but Satan will be withheld during that time, except for the very end when he's loose for a short period of time. And even then, that's where a sand is on the seashore, rally against the Lord. Uh, There in Jerusalem, with the word Jesus speaks, they're destroyed. The great white throne judgment takes place, and we enter in to the ultimate place where we're all going to live, the new Jerusalem forever. Tina, I hope that helps. Yeah, somebody had asked me that, and I just immediately answered, oh, no, he fell after the garden, you know. I believe that. was perfect. And and then I was like, wait a minute, why do I think that? And I go, you know, we have this show called The Bible Answer Man. I'm going to call him and ask him. I go, I'm not sure why I think that along those lines, so... Well, I, again, I, I really believe if if you go back, uh, read the first three books of Genesis, uh, you're going to see where God repeatedly, over and over, said, and every, it was good. It was very good. All those things. I don't believe you would have a devil uh, in a very good creation. Hope that helps. Yeah. I will say this, that uh, one of God's signature styles is uh, is goodness. And yes. he does make bad things into good. In fact, that's probably his favorite thing to do. You know, all things work together for the good. And so he's not in the destruction. He is in the cleanup. And wherever you find yourself today, if you're in a hot mess, <laughs> like your world is falling apart, that's when he shines brightest, when he can make something bad turn good. Amen. Hope that helps Tina stay alive. Send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Okay, thank you. God bless you, dear. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to... Tina again, Palm Springs, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. Um, I want to just thank you for your show and tell you how I learn and grow every day. But I was calling because I had heard um, one of the pastors on the show say um, that if you pray for something, you don't keep praying for it. You just trust in God. My daughter is 29 years old, and she's severely handicapped with a seizure disorder, and I pray almost without ceasing. I trust in God. Um, She's come close to, you know, passing on and going with Jesus, but he's kept her here. And um, I just want to know that if I'm doing the right thing by praying all the time for her healing, I've been doing it for 29 years, and I am. Absolutely. And I don't know why anybody would say you don't have to pray for that. The Bible says um, in the book of James, a fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or a righteous person availeth much. Um, and, um, uh, you know, when when we look even at the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray, our Father which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. That would imply that this was a, 
a, a blueprint or a pattern for prayer that we would thank the Lord for our food on a daily basis. Well, I thank the Lord for my food 20 years ago. I don't even talk about, I don't even thank God for my food now. What a ridiculous statement. Your thoughts. Well, you know, your faith is not to be in your faith. And I think that's where the trap is, is that if I just pray longer and harder and uh, more intensely, then maybe God will hear me. And in fervent prayer, I, I hear it in your voice. You've prayed Amen. and interceded on your daughter's behalf. And he collects every tear in a bottle, Scripture says, and every prayer in a bowl. He is not missing one of those. Paul says, I kept praying that you would remove this thorn from my side, but you said, no, Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. all be strong in your weakness. And so I would say, you know, I'm when it comes to is God able, we all say yes and amen. Is God willing to heal? That's where I say I'm not so sure because I've seen suffering have such incredible value. I'm married to a girl who's quadriplegic. I've been that's all I've known for 22 years of marriage. Met her in the wheelchair, she's still in the wheelchair and I pray for her, her healing all the time. And yet we say but thank you, Lord. You are perfect even though we right. don't see why. We trust that you know why. So we love you, even if the answer is no. Tina, our prayers go out to you. Can we pray for you and your daughter? Oh, thank you. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask you to hear the prayers of a mom. Lord, I pray that you strengthen Tina, that you give her wisdom. But Lord, we lift up this girl to you. God who heals, please heal her. Lord, we don't come demanding you to heal her. We just come asking you. And where your word says to agree touching any one thing, God, you do it. And so we just ask you for the very best for her daughter, for a healing, and give her strength to understand, God, your great plan. And so, Lord, we commit this into your hands. Lord, when she's reminded to pray for her daughter, may she pray for her daughter without any guilt or any way of this is doubting you. But, Lord, that we take our burdens to you and leave it there. And so, Lord, we ask you for a healing here in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer, Tina, we'll look for God to do great things. I'll send you some books, some DVDs. Perhaps you and your family can watch it, okay? Thank you, Pastor, so much. And I pray for you as well. And keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you very much. Let's go to Roger, Minnesota. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I was uh, witnessing to my neighbor's brother, and uh, he was pretty receptive about it. And but he's read a lot of books and stuff on philosophies, and he's into theosophy somewhat. Uh, he developed atrial fibrillation. He had to go to the hospital, and while in the hospital, he had blacked out, and then staff was working on him. He came to, and uh, um, he told my neighbor that. Uh, he um, saw everything that uh, that the staff was doing to him out of body experience, yep. and the nurse had uh, said that um, there's no way he could do that. That that's that's uh, she was just flabbergasted, and uh, my neighbor was telling By me. By the all way, about this. Roger, that does happen, and I've had a lot of instances where that has happened, and um, we're we're running out of time today, and I feel so bad about this because Brooks, I. I'll have to have you back on the program so you can you can share about this as well. But uh, no, out-of-body experiences, I believe, can happen, do happen. 
And uh, I want to send you, Roger, some books, some DVDs to get those out to you. And then if you can call us back as well as uh, Dina and Carrie and the rest, please, we'll, no waiting if you call us back tomorrow. I want to thank you, Brooks, for being on. Thank you. Mike, what an honor. Thank you, brother. Keep it up. Amen. Till then, God bless you and good night. Please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 